welcome to the last episode in our Reimagine Healthcare series. I'm Darlena Liu. And I'm Nick Lanila Canton. And we're going to be talking all about consults. Um, so as medical students, we've had some experience with consults in the hospital. I feel like that's often a med student task, like, oh, can you call a consult? <laughs> What has your experience been like? So I'd say kind of when that first question is asked to me of, you know, oh, can you, you know, call this consult? It seems very simple. Um, and I'm like, okay, I, I've called, a, you know, a bunch of people before in my life. I can do this. <laughs> but um, but there's so much more to it, I feel like, once you once you actually really get into what is a consult and how do you consult effectively, um, things like making sure um, you're, you know, delivering pertinent information quickly and, and, um, and so that the person on the the other end kind of knows immediately what's going on and who they need to be focusing on. Um, little things like that, um, I feel like takes more practice than you would expect. What would you say about that, Darlena? I agree. I think there's definitely an art to making a consult. And I guess in terms of thinking about what a consult is, it's usually when as the primary team, like for example, medicine, you're asking for um, more expert opinions on, on a particular case like you might consult psychiatry or cardiology and another specialty service uh, and usually it's best I think to have a question in mind is what I've been taught um, when you're calling instead of just being like hey like can you see this patient I think uh, it's always better to be able to convey a sense of who the patient is and specifically what you want to know um, like do you want help with the diagnosis or maybe specifically with the next step of the treatment. Um, and I think the thing that was most frustrating for me as a medical student when I was calling consults was feeling like the whole process was very inefficient. Yeah. Where we would call the consulting service, wait for a call back, who knows when, and it felt like a giant game of telephone tag. <laughs> that is so true. Or, or like the little... Um kind of pager or like electronic pager thing you'd send a little message and then just wait and hope that you know they'd respond quickly um and you're right yeah it, it really is a, a sort of phone tag <laughs> situation yeah on my medicine sub sub i we actually didn't have pagers at the site i was working at so what we did was we would call people from the phones in the workroom but then they would call back to the workroom phone however we could be on rounds and we would miss the calls or we would be you know didactics <laughs> we would miss the call a pager might be a, one way that makes that process a little bit more efficient yet at the same time a pager is pretty outdated technology <laughs> Yeah, it kind of brings us back to conversations we've, ha we've had in the past about, you know, things we do for no reason or things we do just because they've always been done. I'm so interested in how pagers are still so prevalent in, in medicine today. Um, and then the, the other interesting thing that I've noticed with consults in my experience is kind of how the loop gets closed or sometimes doesn't get closed, you know, after you ask that question to your you know, the consulting service or consulting physician, um, you know, sometimes um, the primary team forgets to or, or doesn't kind of loop back with them. Because I assume, you know, that consulting uh, physician now wants to know, you know, what the end result was with that patient and things like that. So there's more to it, I feel like, than just kind of that initial conversation as well. Absolutely. I think what taught me a lot about that was having an experience of being on the other side where I did my consult liaison psychiatry elective. And being part of the consult service, um, 
one thing that was really drilled into me was that you always have to close the loop with the primary team. That felt like it was our responsibility to make sure that we contacted the team before and after we saw the patient and kept them in the loop in that way. And and it also kind of brings up um, conversations about how consults are incorporated into the note-taking world. You know, um, as a consult note, kind of what should be at the top of the note, what should be, um, you know, kind of placed where. That's conversations that I had with my interviewee, Dr. Michelle Brooks, about, you know, how, how do you best present that consult note so that the primary team can kind of glean the, the information that they need to get quickly. Yeah, that's such a great tie-in to one of our earlier episodes in the Reimagine Healthcare series about note-taking. And I think the more that I'm having these conversations, I'm realizing how intertwined it all is between rounding and notes and consults. I think the crux of it is communication. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, to kind of have these conversations with, with the people that we chatted with. Who did you talk with, Dar- Darlena? I spoke with Dr. Jose Barreau, who founded Halo Health. Uh, He is an oncologist by training, and he helped develop this whole system to facilitate physician-to-physician communication. So Halo Health is used, for example, to do like instant messaging between clinical staff members. And he really came up with this idea when he faced a lot of these similar issues and making sure that conversations were being done in a timely manner and the loops were being closed. And I think a lot of what he saw in clinical practice as the problems, he came up with a solution to, to help improve that overall system. Wow. Wow. I'm excited to, to listen to what you guys um, both had to talk about. And then I, um, I spoke with Dr. Michelle Brooks, a hospitalist physician at Virginia Commonwealth University. Um, and she um, is really interested in kind of the art of consulting um, and uh, did a grand rounds on it and kind of the 10 commandments for effective consultations um, and how to teach trainees um, about how to effectively consult and be a consulting physician. So she had a lot of interesting things to say about the different things you should pay attention to when you're going through that process. That sounds great to have a 10 commandments and how to how to do this. I think it'd be especially helpful for med students starting clinical rotations to be able to learn those skills. Excited to, to delve into it. Definitely. And I guess, are there any ideas that you had in terms of improving the consult system? I think that when, when I was thinking about it, I was looking at consults in terms of notes a lot of the time. Um, because, you know, when you're not actively doing the consult, uh, the, the other way that you're interacting with consulting physicians is through the EMR and kind of understanding, you know, um, their recommendations through the note. And I think for me, um, it kind of, kind of goes back to your Google Doc idea, honestly, <laughs> of how um, it would be really great if, you know, somehow consulting physicians could kind of edit that running note or add in their piece in like a different color or, or something to, to show what their thoughts were and what their recommendations are. Um, Cause it's hard sometimes to dig through that EMR and find out, you know, what certain different types of services recommended. Um, and the other thing too was, and I don't know if I have a solution for this, but I was thinking a lot about how how to reconcile different recommendations from different services um, and, and kind of just having more conversations about that. What do you think? Oh, yeah, that's a really great point, because I think 
Um, oftentimes when consulting different services for one patient, you can get different recommendations. And I think so the primary team, so much of their job is parsing out which of these recommendations to follow and which ones might not be as appropriate. Um, so I think that's why being on the consulting side, when I was on my CL psychiatry rotation, they really emphasize, you know, we're not supposed to put in orders for any patient. We're only suggesting things for the primary team in our notes. And it's really up to them at the end of the day. Um, so I think in terms of having a system where you're able to field all of these different perspectives and maybe have a way for the different specialists to see what other people recommend, because maybe that can generate new ideas like, oh, wow, like I didn't think about this patient from this perspective, but that makes a lot of sense sort of thing. But if all if each team is only communicating directly with the primary team, you do have the primary team and the, I guess the onus is on them to sort through the different opinions, but you're missing all of this cross communication that might be valuable between the consulting teams. Yeah. Again, just goes back to what you said about, about communication and from, from your perspective of having that experience on a consult service, um, do you have any ideas in terms of how to improve this process? I really think that, there's something to be said for in-person consult communication because there were cases um, on my medicine rotation where we were playing phone tag all morning or like trying to read their notes about recommendations. But then sometimes the resident or attending would just be like, I'm just going to stop by your workroom and chat with you. And they would stop by and explain things in like five, 10 minutes, not a long time. And it just made so much more sense and it was so much more efficient and effective. And we got a whole plan squared away and we were on the same page. And that saved, I think, a lot of time that would have gone back and forth and potential um, space for miscommunication. The more people you have passing on the message, I think the more chances there are for that message to get distorted. Oh yeah, absolutely, like like telephone. <laughs> What if different teams had different slots of time where it was like office hours? You know, like in college, your professors would have office hours and then you would drop by and ask them your question. What if different consulting teams had office hours and then as the primary team, you would like drop by in their office hours and run the patients that you have with them, like all the patients that you have to do with cards to like talk to with cards about. And then you would just like, you know how with rounds you walk around the hospital, but you could walk around to the patients, but then also walk to the different specialty workrooms. I like that office hours idea a lot. <laughs> I mean, everyone's at the hospital, you know? Yeah. I think it just would take a lot of working to, to rework the schedule just because finding more time in a day for any physician is, is tough, right? I feel like people are so busy that I'm not sure how practical that would be. Yeah, I think you're right. It, it all comes down to, to communication again. And I would also love a system where the CPR, CPRS system at the VA is kind of like this. And when you're making a consult, they'll prompt you with like different questions. Like if you're consulting ortho, they'll be like, 
so did you order an x-ray <laughs> and then they'll auto not auto order but like when you order the console the orders for the x-rays will also pop up at the same time because a lot of their most common consults there's a certain procedure to them like with gi like did they get a colonoscopy for example and um, being able to fill in that information for the most common consults i think would help streamline the process i really like that actually about the cprs system but also a way to keep track of all your consults. Like if there is somewhere in the EMR where you could see all the consult requests and maybe their status, because not all consults are equal in, in their acuity, right? So you could see like, oh, like this patient has been seen by the service, like note pending, or like this person hasn't been seen yet. So you can kind of get an, or like an estimate of like when, when that consult will be ready <laughs> sort of thing, a dashboard. <laughs> I like that. I, I also like the idea of somewhere, somehow incorporating like feedback um, toward that consulting service too. you know, um, kind of what if, you know, that particular service um, needs to you know be better about getting back to someone, you know, <laughs> in time um, or, or better about um, right, you know, kind of writing down recommendations in the EMR on time um, or even just kind of, you know, how that experience was consulting with that service, things like that. I feel like just feedback always um I feel like always kind of keeps things improving. Yeah, I think you're totally right. More information back to the consulting service would be helpful because sometimes it's difficult to see like, oh, which of your recommendations are actually being instituted, right? So maybe if you, I don't know if this would be a good thing or a bad thing, but if you had your recommendations and then the primary team would like click on which ones that they're using so you would get feedback in that way. And what you said about like, estimating response times. I think that would almost gamify the process a little bit. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I like the idea of, of clickable kind of just, just the idea of seeing, um, seeing in the EMR much more visually and much more effectively kind of what's happening in real time and, and what people are doing, I think. But this goes back to our, our note-taking conversation. Um, <laughs> it's hard to get away from that conversation. And I think the key is like, how do we integrate these things without adding additional burden of work and additional time? Because that's something that's like a, a scarce commodity. And if we can integrate it in a way that is automatic, like a lot of times, a lot of the orders are directly entered into the system. A lot of like the vital signs and lab results are already in the system. So if there are ways that that could automatically populate, um, I don't know, just random ideas. At this point, I think I'm just like word, word vomiting. <laughs> All of that streamlining the process and, and making that communication part even better. It, it's, an, it's a nice perspective that we have as medical students to see all of these um, things that we feel like could be changed um, and could be improved on. And, and so, um, yeah, I love having these conversations with you, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I definitely like this opportunity to think creatively. And we encourage all of our listeners to do that, too. Uh, hope you enjoy this episode. 
I had the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Michelle Brooks, an assistant professor and academic hospitalist in the Division of Hospital Medicine at Virginia Commonwealth University. She also serves as an associate program director of inpatient medicine for the internal medicine residency program at BCU, um, as well as hospitalist pathway director and as medical director for the house staff general medicine units. Dr. Brooks is quite passionate about quality improvement and social media in medical education. We actually connected over Twitter when I noticed that she was um, very passionate about the art of consulting and had even produced a grand rounds on the topic. Welcome, Dr. Brooks. I'm so excited to be talking to you today about all things uh, consults in the world of medicine. <laughs> well, thanks for having um, me. I'm excited to be coming to you from Richmond, Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I know that the virtual the virtual time that we're going through um, honestly really makes for for great ways uh, to connect with people that sometimes you never would have you know been able to connect with previously. Um, so my first question to you is, what even is a consult, um, and what do you think is the purpose of consults? So I think a consult is uh, when a so I so to start off, I work as an academic hospitalist. So I work on the inpatient side. And the key reason that I call consults is if I have a question that either requires their specific expertise or um, that I can't answer on my own. Um, so often it's um, like for somebody with heart failure, if I have mm. a trouble figuring out if they have a lot of volume on board and I need, you know, more, somebody with more experience to help me or to help consider a right heart catheterization, et cetera. That that's usually when I'm calling consults is I need their um, expertise. I think the other reason to call a consult um, might be like for diagnostic dilemmas. Um, if you're mm -hmm. trying to figure something out and it's taking you a really long time um, and it, some, somebody of a expertise, it would take like seconds to figure that out. Um, I think that's another reason to call a consult. And that's actually, I, I work with, um, largely with second year residents in this kind of, um, we have a, a learner manager, teacher leader model. So usually during their second year, they're what we call managers and they're learning how to manage patients on their own. And they're spending an hour trying to figure out what antibiotics to put a patient on. And I'm like, that is what infectious <laughs> disease does so good. And they would right. have to kind of follow the patient if they're on IV antibiotics anyway. So that is a reason to call a consult. Um, I think um, in, in this day and age, it, it really does take a team of people managing a patient um, to, to manage them effectively in both the inpatient and the outpatient settings. So yeah, you bring up um, an interesting aspect of consults that I didn't, I wasn't actively thinking about until we had this conversation, which is the idea of teaching someone how to um, consult effectively and and how to know when to call upon um, that help. Because, like you said, I mean, we're all on this team together, and it's important to know, you know, when you need to reach out and make that phone call and ask um, for that expertise. Um, I think you know sometimes we all want to think that we know all of the answers and know how to do everything, but um, you that's why we have this great group of, of different types of physicians. Um, so I'd love to hear more about how you teach uh, trainees um, how to consult in the first place. 
Well, there are a lot of, and I actually didn't look this up before we talked, but there are a lot of good resources out there. Um, and there's actually, I think there's something from um, an ER trainee that I have on Twitter somewhere that it was, it was how to call consults, but it's like how to call consults to specific consulting groups. And I thought that was very effective okay. because I think different specialists um, are thinking about different things and might want different information. And so it was like, if you're, it was from an ER doctor's perspective. So like, if you're calling OBGYN, make sure you have this information. Um, so I think uh, the first thing is for any, for any consult is like, what question do you have that you're having difficulty answering um, on, on your mm -hmm. own as a, a generalist? Um, so in the inpatient or the outpatient setting, like what question do you have for this patient that you need help with? Um, and it, it could be a question about the next diagnostic steps in terms of do they need a bronchoscopy for some sort of lung lesion or um, if they need some sort of biopsy, like what the best biopsy might be. Or it could be, um, it could be therapeutics. So like what would be the best way to treat this patient with atrial fibrillation in this setting? So I think, um, I think they're you want to make sure that that question is clear because you, the one thing that's super frustrating is if you call a consult and then you don't get an answer to that question, right? Like that's the, that's mm -hmm. a super frustrating thing. And it, it, it just needs to be clear um, communication from the consulting physician side and the, the person who's consulting. So, um, yeah, so that's the first sense. thing I try and get the students is uh, so usually the students are eager to call consults as part of, our team because they feel like that's something they can do to help our residents out. And so um, usually we talk about what the question is um, and helping them identify that question and sort of the reasons why we're calling the consult. And then the second step is to gather the information that you need for that consultant. So if you're calling cardiology, you're going to want to know what the EKG showed, et cetera, like specific consulting groups might have different information that you need um, to gather. And then you wanna make sure all that's mm -hmm. at hand. Um, I think either being in the chart or being where you can get further information is helpful too, in case the consultant asks you a question. But really the consultant should also be able to kind of gather some of the data on their own as well if you don't have some of that information. But I tell the students, they always stress out if they don't have a, a, a bit tidbit of information that the consultant wanted, but um, you know, that's a, usually available in there so that they, they can gather that as well. But it's nice if you kind of know what the consultant, the pieces of information that the consultant might want, which is why I thought that ER doctors um, guidelines were good because she she had like what what the OBGYN doctors usually ask for what urology will usually ask for ah, okay yeah cool yeah. Um, and then I know uh, you uh, you uh, sent over some really great documents prior to our conversation um, one of which was a really beautiful grand rounds that you put together on the art of consulting um, and in it you had kind of the ten commandments of um, consulting so if you wanted to kind of walk through. Um, the gist of that presentation, um, I guess, also kind of why you uh, presented on that and, and what the big takeaways were. Yeah, so this was sort of a joint, um, we call our morbidity and mortality reports, morbidity, mortality, and improvement. And it was a joint um, session with uh, medicine, cardiology, and also orthopedic surgery in, in 
tandem. So we were all kind of talking about the same case. Um, and we were talking about um, sort of effective consultation and how we can help each other out in being more effective with our consults. So I had pulled this article, which is from like 1983, so not recent and probably <laughs> worth looking up newer um, literature about this. But I thought that um, the essentials of that were, were still very applicable to today. And so the first one, so the 10 commandments for effective consultations is, you know, the first one determine the question, which is what I was talking about. Right. Um, and that I think is paramount because if you don't have a clear question, you're not going to be, the consultant's not able to give you the information that you're looking for. Um, and then the second one, sort of establishing the urgency of the consult. So, um, how soon does this patient need to be seen? Is it something that ha has to happen overnight? And a lot of times with um, orthopedic surgery, um, we have, there's sort of a difference between consulting and co-management, but we have kind of a co-management agreement with them in our, at our um, institution. And, it, and often overnight, they'll call us and they'll say, this person is first case. And so that ends up being a, a more urgent consult than um, somebody okay. who's later on the day. And then it's important also from the consulting team to make sure they're not overusing that because uh, not everybody can be first case. And so it's really important to kind right. of make sure that you're stratifying the urgency appropriately for the patient so that the consultant can um, take the time that they need to answer your question. Um, and then um, looking for yourself. So uh, really the um, person calling the consult should have enough information for you to kind of get the question out and get some of the history, but um, really looking for yourself and seeing the patient, I think is really important. Um, the fourth one was be as brief as appropriate. And I think this is sort of where with the EMR and you alluded to y'all have talked about this on the podcast before where rethinking kind of how we use our electronic medical record. Mm -hmm. I think the EMR, um, can hinder you. So you don't want to be going in and just con like as a consultant and just cut and paste the entire HPI that was right. from the admission HIP into your consulting note and call it a day. Like really it should right. be focusing on the pieces of information that will help you answer the question. Um, and there's definitely, there's definitely more in there, but um, I think one of the biggest ones is making sure that you um, touch base with the uh, person who consulted you. So I think talking um, again with the EMR has become, um, maybe they'll just say, oh, it's in the chart. <laughs> you know, I left my note. Right. Uh, but a lot of times I think um, really conveying some of the reasoning behind uh, some of the recommendations is really important. And the best way to do mm -hmm. that, I feel like is in a um, telephone conversation, Zoom, you know, probably not face-to-face -face <laughs> as much anymore, but like some right. sort of conversation. Um, and I think being accessible and being open to having conversations about patients is one of the things that I really like about my institutions. I think we've, I've had, mm -hmm. you know, uh, multiple discussions with consultants about patients and 
I worked a lot over the holidays. So over the, the three weeks that I like worked over the holidays. So that was really interesting to, to listen to and understand that um, there's really an art um, kind of like you mentioned in your presentation to consultation. Um, and I kind of want to wrap up my questions by asking you, you know, you have had experience with consults in a couple of different realms, both as kind of the primary physicians who's asked physician who's asking for a consult, um, one who is kind of doing the consultation, uh, teaching uh, how to consult. So in all of those different um, realms, um, what have you realized really needs to be improved upon kind of in the world of consults? So I do, and I've kind of mentioned this with the EHR, I do think that is somewhat of a hindrance to the um, consultant note. And I actually changed the way that I wrote my notes um, when I was consulting, when I was on the medicine consults team to put the recommendations sort of at the top. So I would have like, um, we get okay. called a lot for like medical management. So diabetes and then the specific recommendations and then hypertension and the specific recommendations. And often it can be just continuing these meds that they were on at home. But I think that makes it really clear. Um, I think the EHR serves sort of two purposes. So one is um, for medicine, it's and for pediatrics and anybody who's in ER, anybody who's involved in like this evaluation and management um, right. coding system for the way we currently get paid, we're, we're paid to think and manage. And so it's a little bit different than the way the surgeons are, um, you know, paid in terms of like they get paid for their procedural skills and, and taking care of that patient. Um, preoperatively and postoperatively is all sort of a part of that. So I think one thing that maybe needs to change is kind of how we write the notes and how we convey our recommendations. Um, mm -hmm. And it may be just getting back to more of like old school style. Um, I, when I was in medical school, we did written notes like back in the day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not that long ago. <laughs> I'm only 40, but um, the consultant note um, that we had was sort of like this carbon copy thing. And it, it did, it had the recommendations at the top. And, and then any information that you needed to gather in terms to be able to bill at a certain level for your evaluation and management was underneath of that. And that I think okay. is useful and maybe something that we can look towards um, kind of doing um, as an institution is like making sure our recommendations are like clearly at the top. Um, and the other thing with the EHR is just trying not to import so much stuff or cut and paste so much stuff. I think mm -hmm. that's really a difficult thing to teach for, for me, at least I, my residents are like, you just del deleted a lot of our notes. And I'm like, yeah, I, I delete <laughs> the stuff that like makes it a little bit harder to read. And like some of the stuff can right. be moved to, to different places in the EHR. So I think, um, I think a lot of the art of consulting is linked to how we use the EHR. But I will say um, I really appreciate the fellows and the attendings that take time to either call or text or page to make sure that we've received the recommendations because um, sometimes their workflow mm -hmm. is a little bit different than our workflow. And so it's really nice to um, get a chance to ask further questions or if we, we didn't understand some of the recommendations or the reasoning behind the recommendations, I think is, it's great to have a, a open point of contact. <laughs> not super, not super high tech, but. 
talk more. <laughs> I think your, yeah, <laughs> your, your recommendations make a lot of sense too, even in the fact that a lot of it has to do with the EHR, because, you know, obviously that's pretty much the way that we gather information and kind of connect with each other through the, through the note-taking process. Um, but you also um, hit on a really important point too, which is, you know, kind of closing the loop with, with, you know, whoever we uh, consulted with, um, cause you know, I'm sure they're invested in, in the patient, um, at that point as well. But, yes. um, I think one thing too, that's hard is sort of rec- reconciling, reconciling, um, let me start over. I think one thing that is hard is reconciling disparate recommendations sometimes. So you may have a couple different yeah. people following a patient that, and each of them thinks sort of differently about what's going on or the next, um, diagnostic or therapeutic step. And so, um, we actually talk about that as a team because there is a lot of okay. clinical ambiguity. Um, and then we talk about it with the patient too and kind of outline, you know, this is these are the steps we're considering. What do you think sounds the best? And sort of engaging them I think is important as well if there's a um, conflict in terms of what, what consultants think is the next best step, best step for a patient. And, and in those times, like you mentioned, it's, it's kind of like, a, I'm sure, case by case, you know, talking with the team and, and figuring out which of those recommendations you'd want to proceed with. Yeah, I mean, there was, so there, I used to run in, we have like this, we had this, uh, our institution has this faculty lounge, doctor's lounge, where they have coffee, and I used to run into people all the time, and that was a great way to like, get my consulting questions there, or just say, hey, we're following the same patient, any, okay. any further you know, recommendations or, or things that we need to be doing for them. And so I think that's a, a good, a good thing. Um, the, and the thing that's nice, so I'm a hospitalist, but the things that, that's nice about specialists is they often have a clinic that they can follow the patient right. in the outpatient setting too. So that's nice to, when they, um, take the onus to sort of set those appointments up and follow the patient as an outpatient as well. On the, cons- on the receiving consultant side, some of your responsibility is just to make sure that I, I mean, I often will even restate a question and just say, I just want to be clear that this is the question that you want us to answer. Um, and that can be very effective as well. Um, and if you are speaking to someone who doesn't have a good understanding of what the question might be, it may be a time to kind of like say, can we bring in, um, you, you know, your resident or your attending or whatever, and just kind of have a conversation about what, um, what you guys need from us is kind of a better way to say it than like, what is your question? <laughs> we used to have, uh, <laughs> we used to have, we had, uh, we have five, there's five of them, but we have this family of doctors who all kind of came through our um, med school and most of them came through our residency. And two of them used to, one was in the surgical field, one was in medicine and they used to do a calling consults orientation for the interns coming into our institution. And it was just the best because they would do like, they would act out a poor consult and then they would like do a good one. And they would, <laughs> from, it was kind of all the stereotypes of, uh, you know, not being able to convey a question, not being able to convey the urgency, right. et cetera. So it was, it was very nice, um, nicely done. And they were brothers. So it made it kind of funnier to me. But <laughs> Even funnier. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I mean, I think that's so important to kind of start at the trainee level of, of explaining, you know, how to deliver a good consult um, and, and receive a good consult. Um, and tact, so, is, yeah. tact is so important. Um, if, even if it seems obvious to you, um, and this is something I struggled with earlier on in my career, um, you know, 
diabetes management. Well, I feel like any doctor should be able to do that, but, um, it really is something that is an art and, and can be confusing to, to people. And, um, there's not only medicine, but endocrine deals a lot with, um, inpatient management of diabetes, et cetera. So I think, um, being able to see things from different people's perspectives on how overwhelming yeah. it can be if your patient that you're trying to do a, um, an em- emergent or urgent hip arthroplasty on has sugars in the 300s that can be right. overwhelming to some of the um, physicians on the surgical side. So I think it's really important to kind of get an idea of where people are coming from. And um, again, something that is very easy an easy consult for you uh, may have taken them a a really long time to figure out. And um, I think that's, that's really important to kind of recognize and consider as, as you move into a consultant role, um, say, Oh, this, this, this community acquired pneumonia, it's so easy to treat. Well, for that person, maybe it wasn't quite as easy for them. So, right. Yeah. Not saying consult all the time. It's just, uh, (laughs) It's uh, sometimes it can be a way to take care of a patient in a more efficient way. Yeah, no, I, um, I honestly, I think you answered all of my questions. Thank you so much, Dr. Brooks. I, I had a really great time, you know, kind of listening to what you had to say and how you approach consults. Um, it's really interesting to hear as a med student how much art goes into this whole process. Um, and I feel like hopefully it'll set me up well when I need to be on, you know, either side of the phone um, chatting with um, my other uh, colleagues. So I really appreciated your time and thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Next up, we have Dr. Jose Barreau from Halo Health. My background is in oncology. And I'm an oncologist and I was a director of a cancer institute here in Cincinnati. And when we were building our our offices around Southwest Ohio, you know, I realized one of the biggest uh, problems was communication between oncology specialists, surgical oncology, medical oncology, radiation oncology, all the, you know, the support uh, nutritionists, genetic counselors. And I also realized that when, when, pa- when doctors collaborate around a patient's care, the outcome is so much better. I mean, the, you know, and the treatment options change. You know, a lot of times when I talk to my colleagues and can get in touch with them and talk about a patient, I notice that, you know, you just get, you just have a better outcome and you think through things more. You notice that in business, right? You make a lot of decisions in business. You talk it over with your leadership team and you come out with the best outcome. As doctors, we're so used to, being by ourselves and making a decision, you know, we're the ultimate decision maker um, that we don't run things by people because it's a little bit of a, of a culture thing in, in medicine to, you know, I know all the answers, you know what I mean? I don't need another doctor's help. You know, I'm the top of my thing. Right. But that couldn't be further from the truth. You know, even though we're, we have MDs and we've gone through residency and fellowship and everything, you don't know the answer to everything. And, it, it's really helpful to talk things over with doctors. And a lot of times you need to do it quickly. You know, maybe a patient's in front of you. Maybe you're, you know, you have a, uh, you just rounded on a patient in the hospital and you really see that a cardiologist has stopped by and started a medication or wants to do a procedure. And you really want to know why. And because you want to do something too, or maybe you want to start chemo or you want to order a test and you really want to, you know, know how is this going to interact with what they're doing? And do we really need to do both of those things? 
And those things need to be done now. So how do you get in touch with the cardiologist, right? Well, one of the all have very different schedules too, I feel like. Yeah, so one of the biggest things we noticed when we were building technology for collaboration is that collaboration is a lot of times to roles. We're all playing a role in a hospital. So I may be a doctor sitting on my couch watching TV, but when I walk in the hospital, I may be the cardiologist on call, or I may be the oncologist seeing new consults. And everybody knows they need the cardiologist on call, but they don't know who it is at that time. And that's one of the hardest things, you know, like who is covering right now? This doctor's name is on the chart, but he handed it off to another doctor, right? And so, you know, and on-call schedules are never accurate, right? Because by the time they're sent over there, doctors switch. So we, we aim to, to solve that role-based communication and collaboration, making that always accurate. So, so in other words, I need the cardiologist for this patient. I just need to know I need the cardiologist for this patient and have a system that finds that person for you. Right. That uh, makes so much sense. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's really around roles, managing roles, systems that manage roles, because, you know, I know you, Darlena, and I know I need to talk to Darlena, but, you know, I don't know who, you know, you're the, you're the, you know, uh, pulmonologist, right, on call, but I don't know if it's you today. Yesterday you saw this patient, but I'm going to call a pulmonologist on call for this patient on the care team. Maybe it's you again, but maybe it's not. So um, I just need to find whoever's taking care of that patient to talk to them. Right? And I don't want to hunt them down, call their office, wait for them to call me back 30 minutes later when I'm in a patient's room and it, they interrupt me to pull me out. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's just so a more lot. asynchronous ways to communicate. It sounds yeah. like is the answer more, there. More asynchronous, more efficient, it, making it easier to communicate, you know, just makes it more likely to happen. And the more we communicate about patients and collaborate about patients, the better the patient's outcome is. That's just a fact because I've set up multidisciplinary tumor boards my whole career. Uh, And, you know, when you present a patient at a tumor board too in front of an audience, you get so many different, you know, you have three radiologists looking at it and, you know, 40 doctors in the audience. And, you know, once you gather all those opinions and you just, you know, select the best one. Right. So it's collaboration that really improves patient care so much. And it's just not focused enough. Electronic health records did a nice job of um, improving documentation and visibility and and obviously revenue cycle management and billing and all that. But it didn't do a lot to promote collaboration. Uh, And in some instances, it kind of inhibited it because everybody became their own little really focused on the computer writing the note. Right. And it created things like copy and paste and all this stuff where people just run through it quickly. And so collaboration got pushed to the side, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And that communication aspect too. I feel like a lot of times reading through notes, there's so much unnecessary information that it's not getting the point across very succinctly. Right. Because it's, because it's built, it's built to bill for billing, you know, it's built for, for processing, you know, charges. It's not built to transfer the, information that the clinician needs to make a decision right mm-hmm. now necessarily although we're making strides to improve it but it's just not built for that mm-hmm. um, and that seems to me to be the real purpose of, of the consult system why we rely on other people's expertise to come up with the best plan for a patient or a best diagnosis um, in your I guess in your words what do you think the 
the purpose of consults are? The true purpose for a consult is to get expertise about a certain issue uh, into the room on to see the patient, to give you advice on what to do. Um, you know, a lot of times now, you know, you can say what you want about consults, you know, whether there's too many consults or too little consults, you know, uh, as medicine has progressed, the internal medicine doctor used to do a lot, right? And then, you know, as, as specialty has progressed and everything, you know, um, now you can have five or six consultants on a one patient and that's in the hospital. So that makes communication even more challenging because you have five or six specialties and they're all, different people filling those roles at different times, rotating through that patient. So in an average three-day stay, somebody can have, you know, seven or eight roles and 30 people rotating through those roles. So the purpose of the consult is to get the right information to the patient and, and special, you know, specialty around whatever that problem is and advise the, the captain of the ship, which really should be, you know, the internal medicine doctor uh, uh, who's the primary you know, caregiver and, and in charge of what happens to that patient, the right avenue to proceed, you know, um, and lend their mm -hmm. expertise. Uh, and in uh, your medical training, you've been both part of the primary team running that ship and also on the flip side of right. being the consult service. I was that's wondering right. if you could speak on a little bit more of your experiences on either side, what that was like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you know, um, I think you know, I learned, first of all, when you ask for a consult, you know, you want to provide as much information as possible to that person you're consulting, right? To give them, you know, you don't want to just make them so they have to read a note and try to figure out why was I consulted, right? Because on the flip side, I've been consulted many times and got into a patient's room. I wasn't called. You're trying to read through a note and figure out why am I here? What problem am I trying to solve? You know, and when you consult oncology and you show up at a patient's room, it's a very nerve wracking thing when somebody's consulted an oncologist and they don't know they have a cancer diagnosis. They don't know what they've been told. So it really helps when you're on when you're when you're consulting people or on your you're getting a consult to have as much information about why this is happening and what the patient knows. Do they know I'm coming? You know, why why are you consulting this patient? Or, you know, why am I getting consulted? So, you know, I, I think it just helps tremendously to tell the patient that, you know, I consulted a specialist to come and see you, and this is why, and to call the specialist and tell them, this is the why I'm consulting you, this is the problem, and this is the question I need answered, right? Be specific about why you're consulting them, you know? So, uh, so the, the consultant can come in and take care of the problem, and you really look like you're a team, right? The big thing is the disconnect, right? A bunch of consultants coming in, they're asking the patient the same question. The patient's saying, do these people even talk, right? And, mm -hmm. and, and there's just sometimes conflicting information too, right? Where, you know, one doctor would say, yeah, well, you probably don't need that test. The next doctor comes in and orders it, you know? Um, so it, it's complex, you know, but, but it's about communication. You know, the whole, the more consultants you have, you need to consult people and you need to tell them why, they're being consulted and explain to them what problem you're trying to solve. And on the receiving end, you need to go there with information. So, so the patient, you know, is, is confident that you're coming there with, you know, you know what you're talking about. You know? mm -hmm.
And it seems like the way the current system is set up doesn't really facilitate for those conversations to happen as smoothly as possible. Um, yeah. Like just even looking at the technology with pagers, it's just so outdated. Um, yeah. I'm wondering what sort of solutions do you see and improvements to the technology to help improve this overall process? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, people are still shocked, you know, that there's pagers in almost every health system still. And the reason they are, because it's, believe it or not, it's a very simple device, but it's very hard to replicate with software because you just hand your pager off to somebody and it's gone, right? And so that number's gone with it too. And, you know, software, nobody wants to give your smartphone to somebody to carry off, you know, so, you know, you have to build software that can adapt to, you know, changing roles and changing numbers, right? And adapt to getting a phone call and messaging. So really, you know, when you go to EHR and you hit a button, consult this person, it just sends it off, right? And it's so easy to do that, but it's not easy to contact that person you're consulting because you don't even know who it is. Uh, so so ideally, this, this software should really let you know who it is, right? And who's who's the person behind that role? Like who's the cardiologist on call? Get that person, find out who that, oh, you're, talk to that person or message that person. But sometimes a phone call voice is better than messaging sometimes, depending what you're trying to do. But sometimes a conversation, getting in touch with somebody will tell that, will, will, will solve that problem quickly. So ideally a platform that has everybody on it, cloud-based, right? So you can go anywhere on any device, right? send a consult or at least, you know, message somebody behind the consult, get a reply right back asynchronous or get a phone call right back uh, mm -hmm. asynchronous so you can discuss the case really quickly. Uh, ideally, that's what, it, that's what it is, right? And so that's the new thing. That's like what Halo Health does. We call it clinical collaboration platform. It's a new type of platform. It manages roles. It has all the communication channels like voice messaging and alerts on it. Uh, and it integrates, integrates into the EHR and medical devices and all those things uh, to really get real-time information and communication to the right person at the right time, right? That's really what it's all about, you know. How did you go about creating Halo Health? Do you, what, what's your background in terms of the technology or business side and how, how are you able to, to build it? Yeah, I didn't know anything about technology, to be honest with you, uh, initially. You know, I just like technology. And, you know, so I, the first thing I did is I wrote a 150 PowerPoint slide presentation about what communication is in healthcare and how it should work, you know. And then I took it to a really smart engineer I knew and I put it on his desk and I said, can somebody make this? And he said, well, you know let me, you know, let me figure it out. So I hired a team to kind of help me make it. And then I put it in my own offices for a while and I kind of worked out the kinks, you know, um, and, and got it to the point where it could handle a whole health system, you know, on Amazon, we moved the back end to Amazon and made it very scalable. And, uh, we brought Bain Capital Ventures in to help me fund, uh, the platform and build out the team, you know, uh, and then we've grown since then. And, we just finished like Henry Ford Health System, the whole health system, uh, Atrium Health System, the whole health system, you know, uh, 40,000 users on that. You know, um, we have lots of systems around the country that are moving to this cloud-based collaboration platform that goes across the whole system on smartphones. So it's kind of still new, you know, uh, health systems are a little slow to adapt, you know, uh, but we removed most of the pages from both of those places. 
and uh, and you know, it's it's uh, I think it's making a big improvement in in how the communication happens. Mm-hmm. And tying it back to patient outcomes, like you were saying, like improved yeah. communication leads to improved outcomes. And that's yeah, and all this thinking. stuff you never knew. How long does it take to get a response back from a doctor who's on call? How long does it take for a critical team to get to the cath lab? How long does you know a result, uh, a lab result take, a critical lab result take to get back? All this stuff was hard to track, but now we have metrics on, you know, how long it takes a, a doctor to call back a nurse after hours, you know, how long, you know, all these types of things that are really, really important response times and, and, uh, you know, time to treatment and all that type of stuff. And then you can use the data to improve the workflows, right? Yeah, improve the workflows, uh, even STEMI and stroke and trauma teams are on it, right? Improve the workflows and, and set benchmarks, like, you know, how long should it take for, you know, a patient who's in pain to get pain medication, right? Patients sit in pain for half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour before a doctor can get, a nurse can get the order to get pain medication, right? That should be pretty fast. If a patient has a lot of pain, they should, we should be able to within five to 10 minutes, get them the medication they need. But that's all about communication, right? Finding the right person at the right time to get that order in, you know? So all those types of things have never been benchmarked before. And we're kind of bringing visibility to that. That's really, really neat. Thanks for sharing all of this. I really appreciated hearing all of this. And I'm sure our listeners are really inspired to hear the work that you're doing with Halo Health. Do you have any words of wisdom for med students, residents, other docs out there who might be wanting to imbue more creativity into their career and think more creatively about systems? Well, I, I would just say this. Um, I practiced oncology for you know over 10 years until I went into technology. And I would advise young doctors, doctors have so many different paths to go on for a great career and they should use all those paths to explore, but practice medicine a little bit and get, get that experience. Cause I see doctors jumping straight from medical school into tech companies. And of course they're smart, of course they're valuable, but I think they'd be a lot more valuable if they practiced medicine for a couple of years and kind of walked around the hospital and understood the problems from, from really understanding by working in it, you know, and then their ideas will pop and they go into technology and really solve really important problems. That's great advice. And I think that's something that really stands out about Halo Health, the fact that there are clinicians who are, you know, leading the charge and able to identify what the pain points are to improve and, and constantly iterate. Yeah, you solve your own pain problems like that. <laughs> and like you said, you integrate it into your your own cl- uh, clinical work first to, to work out the kinks, like you were saying, exactly. and that's a great way to, to perfect that product. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Thanks so much again hey, for being my here. My pleasure. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It was a lot of fun speaking with our physicians to get their takes on the consult system. I think we have two very different uh, angles in which we're approaching the topic. Yeah, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed um, listening to and and speaking to these physicians, um, and really hope that you all got something um, interesting out of it as well. Um, as always, let us know what you think, um, and let us know if you have any ideas for for our next conversations. Yes, you can always reach us at dwcfilesubmission at gmail.com. 
And this is the last of our Reimagine Healthcare series. So we're going back to our regularly scheduled programming. Next, we'll be speaking with uh, Dr. Shika Jane, um, kind of all about um, being a physician advocate. So stay tuned for that. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe, tell a friend, leave a review. We would love to hear from you. And if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at doctorswhocreate at gmail.com. Or tweet us at doctorscreate. Or check out our website, doctorswhocreate.com, to listen to our podcast episodes and also to check out other articles and profiles of physicians who are creative. Intro music brought to you by the band Night Float.